Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 48 called, For My Own Sake I Will Act. There's a dear brother that attends another fellowship uh, Friday night they did a uh, what they call a flicker night. It was a movie night here at Living Truth. Um, but it, it was in, involving people from several different churches. One of the brothers in the group uh, was holding a book by Erwin Lutzer called When a Nation Forgets God. Um, the book is based upon using the situation that happened in Nazi Germany the conditions that preceded the rule of uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, how he was received, um, how economically Germany had um, hit a boom after the Depression, and then they, then they went down again. And Hitler seized that opportunity to become Chancellor of Germany. I think the year was 1933. Um, he galvanized many people with words like hope and freedom, Um, He promised that he would be on the side of the church. But as things um, escalated and as his true colors came out, um, as World War II um, uh, approached, and he did all that he did to destroy many lives, including many Jewish lives, there were stories told of Christians who Uh, didn't see what was happening until it was too late. And even when they saw it, they chose to ignore it. One story that gripped me in the book was a Christian who said that uh, there were many Lutherans in Germany at this time that they would be in the church on Sunday morning. They would hear the whistle of the train going by behind the church and the screams of the Jews in the train cars. And they said they got to a point where it frightened them and, you know, it was appalling to them, but somehow they found a way when the train passed to sing their hymns louder. And then they would sing louder. And every time the whistle would be approaching the church, get this, they'd be singing Christian hymns to God while Jewish people were crammed in those trains being taken to the death camps and they knew it. That's a book called When a Nation Forgets God. This happened to Israel, and you could argue that it's a danger for every nation that has at its center, at its foundation, a belief in God and the morals and doctrine that goes with that, but then gets to a point where they become only that which they claim to be in name and song, and yet fail to be it in reality. In Isaiah 48, God addresses this problem very straightforwardly with his people. You could call it very confrontationally. He says these words. Hear this, Isaiah 48, 1, O house of Jacob, who are named Israel. For those of you who are interested in such facts, the idea of the verb hear is given about 10 times in this chapter. It is the key to biblical faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ or the word of God. But faith is more than just hearing. It is obeying. 
Because Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And so in Isaiah 48, 1, the call comes from God. He says, hear this, O house of Jacob. Jacob was the heel catcher, the conniver. You had Abraham, who was called by God, Isaac, and then Jacob. He says, who are named Israel. So the house of Jacob is addressed. You could say the nation. They are named Israel. Most scholars agree that Israel means governed by God and agree that at some point in Jacob's life, God changed his name to that he who is governed by God. It may be closely associated to his wrestling match with God in the book of Genesis when he walks away limping. And who came forth from the loins of Judah, who swear, this is what the nation of Israel did, or take oaths, if you have the NIV, by the name of the Lord. When they took their oaths, when they swore their uh, promises, they did it by the name of the Lord. They invoked the God of Israel. To invoke his name means to call upon his name. But notice, not in truth, nor in righteousness. See, Israel had the name, they had the lineage, they had the background, they had the call, they had the story that they could share. They could share the story of Abraham, they could share the story of Isaac, they could share Mount Moriah, Genesis 22, they could share of Jacob, they could share of the 12 tribes that uh, came from his loins, they could talk of Judah, they could talk of the Exodus, they could tell the story, but God says, you're the house of Jacob, but listen to me, you're named Israel, that's your name, you come from this lineage, from the loins of Judah, you take oaths in the name of God, or holding your hand on the Bible. You invoke the name of the God of Israel when you pray or when you get married or when you sing God Bless America at your ball games. But you don't do it in truth or in righteousness. And Jesus said in John 4.24 that if we're going to worship God, we must worship him how? In spirit. And by the way, you'll, you'll read in your Bible that uh, I think in just about all the versions, it's a lowercase s there because spirit is not in the Holy Spirit there. It's in your spirit. It's at the core of who you are. You're to worship God in spirit at the core in your heart, if you will, not just outward show. That's the idea. And in truth. Well, Israel, in, at this point in their history, they're a deceptive bunch. They use the name of God, but they are the definition of nominal. They like the more predictable ways of the idols of Babylon. They like uh, the more controlled ideas of whatever the culture may be saying. Can a people who are called by the right name have the right lineage, who take oaths in the name of the Lord, who invoke his name in their prayers and songs, but don't do it in truth and in righteousness, be a people of God? That's the question at the outset of the chapter. It uh, dovetails with what we looked at last time. This was Isaiah 47, where God was addressing Babylon, and Babylon had infected and impacted his people where they were in uh, captivity. And he said to Babylon, 47.13, you are wearied with your many counsels. Let now the astrologers, those who prophesy by the stars, those who predict by the new moons stand up and save you from what will come upon you. Behold, they have become like stubble, 
fire burns them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There will be no coal to warm by, nor a fire to sit before. So have those become to you with whom you have labored, who have trafficked with you from your youth. Each has wandered his own way. There is none to save you. And the Jews were there. They saw how Babylon functioned. They saw the many gods of the Babylonian people. They saw the heart of idolatry. And they, unfortunately, got wrapped up in it. And and God says to them, do you see those people? And then he contrasts them with his people. He says, for they, that is Israel, look at 48.2, they call themselves after the holy city. This is the people of Israel. And lean on the God of Israel. If you have an NIV, it says they rely on him. The holy city here is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the idea of the city of peace. Salem is the idea of peace. They lean on, they're they're named after the holy city. That's the center of their life as a nation. They lean on the God of Israel, usually in emergencies. The Lord of hosts is his name. But did they really trust in him? They were called after that city, but did they trust in him? Well, the next book over is the book of Jeremiah. Go there. Isaiah, Jeremiah, chapter 7. Look at verse 1 with me, 7-1 from uh, Jeremiah. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Jeremiah 7-2, stand in the gate of the Lord's house. This is the Jerusalem temple. And proclaim there this word. So God is speaking to Jeremiah, middle of verse 2, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah. Remember, they came from the loins of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust, Jeremiah 7, 4, in deceptive words saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If we say it enough times, maybe we'll be good. For if you truly amend your ways, five, and your deeds, if you truly practice justice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, Then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered? that you may do all these abominations? Has this house, see if this sounds familiar to you, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. So here's what Israel was doing. Go back to Isaiah. They were doing all this abominable stuff, and then they were coming to the temple, and they kind of had this this rote thing that they did. They kept repeating it, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Here we are, we're in the temple of the Lord, so we'll be fine, we'll be delivered. There's not gonna be any consequences for what we do because we're on the grounds of the temple and God says, forget that. Don't think I'm gonna deliver you so you can go back and do more of your abominations. It doesn't work that way. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe they have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight. Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. So here's what Israel was doing. Go back to Isaiah. They were doing all this abominable stuff, and then they were coming to the temple, and they kind of had this this rote thing that they did. They kept repeating it, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Here we are, we're in the temple of the Lord, so we'll be fine, we'll be delivered. There's not gonna be any consequences for what we do because we're on the grounds of the temple and God says, forget that. Don't think I'm gonna deliver you so you can go back and do more of your abominations. It doesn't work that way. He says, amend your ways. Be a people who is true to the name by which you were called. I am holy, so you should be holy. Not perfect, but don't play games. Don't say that you're called by this name and then show up at my house and think that it's all going to be fine. I see you. I see what you do. You see, Israel's sin was that they were the people of God in name only. Above all, says one commentator, they can no longer be called Israel or claim allegiance to the Lord with truth and credibility. Because God says, this is what you guys do. You, you're, you're doing all this stuff and then you come to my house. Go to Isaiah 29. We looked at this passage earlier, Isaiah 29, but it's apropos to the topic. Isaiah 29, Jesus quoted this in the New Testament when he address the Pharisees and all of their man-made traditions. This is 2913. 
Then the Lord said, because this people draw near, the, the phrase draw near has the idea of worship. This people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, 2913. But they remove their hearts far from me. Their reverence for me consists of tradition learned. And by rote is added by the translators, but it's their traditions. This is, this is it. This is what they do. It's, it's in word, but not in heart. Do you think that that's, that is what God wants? Appeasement by uh, mechanical worship? Would you want that? Would you want someone who loved you or allegedly loved you to go through the motions? But when you looked at them every day and knew that you didn't have their heart, would you be pleased with that relationship? You wouldn't. Why do you think God would be? And so that's the condition that Israel's in. And God is summing up this, this real, um, go back to 48, this blast on the false gods. He's showing how um, utterly holy he is and how idols are just empty and useless. And God has been calling out the idols to, to predict the future and, and see what they can do. He's contrasting himself with them and their impotence to save or do anything. And he says, look at verse 3, Isaiah 48 I declared the former things long ago, and they went forth from my mouth, and I proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted, and they came to pass. The former things will tie to God's plan to use Cyrus to bring deliverance as he, the king of Persia, will crush um, Babylon. He says, because, 48.4, I know that you are obstinate, and your neck is an iron sinew, and your forehead Bronze. If you have the NIV, it says, For I knew how stubborn you were. The sinews of your neck were iron. Your forehead was bronze. Now, I've heard of bronze knuckles, but I've never heard of a bronze forehead. But, but when you think about the phrase of bronze and you have the idea of iron here in the neck, what you see is a people that are, the Bible often calls them stiff. Remember it? Stiff neck. Now, some of you who have stiff necks, you know what that's like. Because if you want to look at somebody, you have to turn your whole body to look. And they say, do you have a stiff neck? And you say, yes, I have a stiff neck. Well, Israel was called a stiff-necked people. In this sense, they would not bow to God. That's the idea. They were hard-hearted, stubborn uh, obstinate people. They, this, this kind of language has the idea of uh, temperamentally difficult. It speaks of being cantankerous. Um, all those things that uh, are not so pleasant. Therefore, verse 5, I declared them to you long ago before they took place. God prophesied history in advance. I proclaimed them to you lest you should say, notice this, my idol, middle of five, has done them. And my graven image and my molten image have commanded them. Do you remember when Moses was up on the mountain just for those 40 days to get the law? The people were dancing around a golden calf and the proclamation was made, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. What? Are you kidding me? As for this Moses guy, we don't know what happened to him, but there's a lot of fire up in there and he walked right into it. 
So I guess we're sticking with the gods that, you know, the Egyptians and the others worship. You have heard, six, look at all this and you, will you not declare it? I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. I think the NIV will help us here. It says, you have heard these things, look at them all. Will you not admit them? Have you ever been in a situation where truth kind of smacks you in the face and you're stuck and you get called out and someone says to you, you're being stubborn. Well, you're being stiff necked. No, I'm not. (laughs) Right? The evidence is staring you in the face. And then someone says, will you just admit it? No, I can't admit I'm wrong. Right? You've been listening to For My Own Sake, I Will Act, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 48. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Hey, we love to connect with our listeners. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, I know that we have different listeners who may have different backgrounds. Maybe some of you are Roman Catholic. Maybe you are Eastern Orthodox. Uh, we may have some listeners who are, I would say, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I'm a Mormon. Uh, I'm part of the LDS Church. Um, and, and maybe you're in another category. Maybe uh, you've grown up with the New Age or something like that. And here you are listening to teaching in the Bible. <laughs> Maybe you're a secret listener <laughs> to Christian radio, whatever it may be. But um, you may be asking some questions about, okay, how does my current uh, way of worshiping fit with the God of the Bible? That's a really good question. And, and let me just say that the best measure of that is to get into the Word of God and see if the way in which you are worshiping Him, and especially, of course, we would argue from the New Testament, um, is in keeping with who he is and what he would have for you. And you might be saying, Pastor Michael, what does he have for me? What what does the Lord want from me? Well, he wants your heart. That's the bottom line. He wants you to know him. He knows you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have a joyful, uh, intimate relationship with him. As you walk with him in many different metaphors, you can think about as with your father, with your king, with your Lord, with your God, with your master, with the one who adopted you into his family, with your husband. Another metaphor is that we're the bride of Christ. So you can see that there are different nuances to this relationship, but all of them are uh, at least most of them are familial, right? And some of them are servant master or, uh, you know, subject and king relationships. 
But all of them point to the same thing. We follow our good shepherd, another great metaphor. That's what he wants. He wants you to know him, the power of his resurrection, even the fellowship of his sufferings. Hey, I'm, uh, I happen to be teaching through Philippians on Sunday mornings at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. I thought of that because I was just talking about that we know him, and that's Philippians 3. Hey, if you're looking for a church in the area of the Inland Empire, for anywhere within, like, say, I don't know, an hour driving distance, and you want to come, what you're hearing on the radio is really the pulpit ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I have have the privilege of serving as senior pastor. If you want to come and visit us, go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. You can find out everything you'd like to know about service times and all that's going on. Walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. I would love to meet you and have you worship with us. Well, tomorrow we'll be doing more of Isaiah 48, and we'll see you right here. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. Whether you can give financially or not, would you please spread the word about Walk in Truth in your community? Tell a couple people to either listen on this station or find Walk in Truth on their podcast app. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 48 called, For My Own Sake I Will Act. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.